Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Supported by the Gelded End the number one Leeds United memorabilia site. Visit thegelderden.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to this 63rd instalment of the Square Ball Podcast. My name's Dan, and with me is Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddie. Hello. Uh, first things up, we normally talk about our fanzine. Um, issue one, sold like the proverbial hotcakes. Certainly did. We've uh, never known anything like it. <laughs> they were very hot. It's almost like people are interested in Leeds United again. I want to read about it and want to learn things about their exciting football club. Who knew? Empty boxes. Empty boxes that used to hold fanzines. A bit like the East Stand. Yes. Um, big thank you to you if you bought the fanzine um, against Brighton. The remaining handful of copies will be on sale against Sheffield Wednesday. And don't despair if you don't get one. You can always buy a digital copy online. And issue two will be available against Queen's Park Rangers. That's correct. When we will almost certainly uh, overestimate how many we need. <laughs> We're just getting the million copies this time, aren't we? Uh, and of course, subscriptions available uh, right now via the squareball.net. White watching. Right, the season is underway, gents, and it's not heartbreaking just yet. It's it's going okay, which feels a little strange to say it, but first game of the season leads to Brighton 1. This was always going to be a big day of catharsis, and we deserved this win, didn't we? We've deserved it for about eight years, yes. I think, <laughs> that game. It was a culmination of eight years of bits that came in that one game. Any complaint that anybody made about it being a handball... Of course it was a handball. And about it being too late into injury time, well, yeah. Even better. What's too late? The final whistle hadn't gone. Great, we deserved it. Fine. Did you sort of get that initial sinking feeling, though, when, you know, 13 minutes in and they scored, you thought, bloody hell, after all this build-up, the big crowd, the anticipation, and then wallop, Leeds United strike again? We did, but not for long, because we uh, went, well, not quite straight up the other end, but not far away from that. Do you think it had a similar sort of feeling to the Bristol Rovers game, that sense of inevitability about it? I didn't feel that Bristol Rovers game was inevitable. I thought we were going to uh, lose in the playoffs. Yeah, I was in, I was in physical pain in the uh, the second half of the Bristol Rovers game, whereas first game of the season, it was just happy to see us being any good, that once we'd gone behind, we equalised quite quickly and came back into it. And I would have been absolutely fine with the draw, but we got so much more. 
we all came in on a high and went home on a high. You don't often say that, Ellen Rudd. It's quite uncharacteristic of us as well to strike back within a few minutes of going behind. It normally takes a bloody age, doesn't it? Well, it's asked Pat Watford side, which was scored in it after about six hours of football because <laughs> of the stupid death on the pitch. It was our first first half goal in months. Yeah. I mean, I know they've not played in months, <laughs> technically, but, you know, even prior to that. It's been a long time. It was good that that confidence was there and even just that ability there to, to go a goal behind to a good team. Because they're... Uh, they were in the playoffs, so they were better than us last year. Um, Alphabetical order. <laughs> yeah, they're ahead of us at the moment in, in the table on the opening day before the game. So to actually be able to get an equaliser, perform to a good standard and win, although it was a little bit close towards the end. I mean, the last... Well, not only just we won, but Paddy Kenny did save us near yeah. the end. We then went on to win rather than just play the game out. That's the other thing that can't be stressed enough. It was exciting. It was Leeds United playing an exciting game of football. Yeah, that didn't enjoyable. happen last year. Yeah. Even the last five minutes, I mean, Green blazed it over and then they broke and it was Paddy Kenny's fantastic save and then it came over the other end and it was a goal. And I think that's what they call end-to-end football. <laughs> um, I've seen it on the telly. And then suddenly to see it, it was like going to a football match for the first time again when you've seen games on TV that are exciting. You've seen, you know, the, the top teams who can all play well and it's exciting unless it's Wigan versus Stoke. And then actually going to a match and feeling, this is what football games are like. Big crowds, people I, singing I understand songs. why I'm handing over money to do this now. Yeah. yeah. I've had my season ticket in the same place for a couple of years, like with the same people around me. And there was kind of talk of, Mid-second half, people were sort of going, this, this is all right, isn't it? This is, we're, we're, we, are, we are playing all right, aren't we? This is like not... This we're not is, imagining this. This is, this is, you know, passing and chances and I'm used this to is pe- all right. I'm used to hearing like dogs abuse and people arguing with each other mm. and everybody moaning and instead everybody I mean, seemed quite happy. Me and you, school, we went back in for the second half. Yeah, we actually we only missed about five minutes. Ten. <laughs> well, mind you, that was partly because they were, they ceased service when I tried to go and get in the ring. But that was for the better. You know, last season that would have been demoralising. We probably would have come here and moaned for ages about the fact that we had to actually go back and watch it. Whereas this time, we couldn't have a drink. And the football was a viable option. I use the word catharsis. I mean, it it felt like a big cathartic event. The the singing... um... You keep saying catharsis. I think the phrase you're looking for is fuck you. (laughs) Probably, yeah. It was a big fuck you. (laughs) Well, actually, the next sentence I was going to utter was that Chelsea bastard is out of our club. It was a huge outpouring. It was... It was a, an eight years of pent-up frustration released on, on one day, wasn't it? I'm surprised they didn't um, mow fuck you as a pattern into the pitch. That was like the one <laughs> the one trick that GFH missed to kind of rub his nose in it. With the players, they warmed up in the, the past is the past shirts, didn't they? And they mm-hmm. might as well have just said, fuck you, Ken, on every, on every shirt. <laughs> but yeah, brilliant. A full house, a million pound player scoring the winning goal. Assisted by a, a free punt from the lower leagues, but you know. Don't, let's not get hung up on the details. <laughs> but it was good though, actually, that it was two new signings combining for the goal. We won't talk, no hunt, kind of a bit of a letdown, but those two, you can't ask for more than an assist and a goal. And a lovely goal as well, a lovely cushioned header Very from from the, 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 the giant posts. Yeah. He did nice chest control, I'm yeah. sure we're all agreed. <laughs> Well, it was a handball. I revel in the fact that it was a handball. I love the fact that he caught it and then just like bounced it a couple of times and threw it in. The only shame for me was that we didn't have Gus Poyet's upset face on the Football League show because he'd have been completely graceless about it. Well, talking about Matteo Smith, in the Chesterfield game, he started this match and uh, once again we were underperforming against the lower league side. They they knocked it around quite nicely. We did make a lot of changes. Yeah, seven changes, you kind of think, yeah. 
Yeah. It was Leeds. It was our second string. Leeds reserves. I almost... Win when you're playing badly. That's what they say. I almost enjoyed this more than the Brighton game in a different way, in that it was just fun. Brighton had that pressure of being a league game where you and also being the first game. So you wanted a good start and you wanted three points and you wanted everything to come together. This, it's the Milk Cup. Nobody cares. It's Chesterfield. It's not a big deal. You don't want to lose. But it was a it was a nice evening. You had the benefit of watching a man looking into the blazing sun without any sunglasses. Yes. How did he get around it again? He stuck his ticket on his forehead. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's... Ingenious. That's, that's quite thought. resourceful, I think. I, I don't know whether it's an adhesive quality of the ticket or whether he has a particularly sweaty forehead and his sweat is particularly gluey, but it seemed to work. So that was nice. A few pints in the peacock beforehand to, you know, get things gentle and then just sat there and watched a really good game of football that Leeds United won. And it was just enjoyable. It was fun. It was nice. Returning I didn't to a- understand. It was a little <laughs> bit frightening. Returning to a theme established in the Brighton game then, another good attendance, 17,500. They obviously brought a few up. They seem to enjoy themselves. And when you measure it against last year, as McDermott remarked, the attendance for his second game in charge against Burnley was only 16,800. So it's actually a blooming good turnout. And again, when the attendance was announced, the song went up, didn't it? Yeah. That Chelsea bastard. So uh, a very clear two fingers to the bearded gent. It's the silent majority that Ken Bates said always supported him have turned up and they're bloody noisy and they didn't like him. Yeah, and the comparison to last season when... Because we played Shrewsbury at this stage on a Saturday, so it didn't really count, but then Oxford in the second round only got about 12,000, so 5,000 more people interested in watching the game. Collector's item as well, Michael Brown goal. Not really interested in that. Didn't rate it. Got lucky. <laughs> Just swung a... a lucky bounce. Yeah. Shoot! Everyone was going, shoot! So he shooted a, and, he, and he scored. He just swung a hoof and it went in. The problem is, I mean, he's such a twat. It's kind of... <laughs> I just felt like we're never going to hear the end of it. It was very good, and that's fine. But if he has a bad game again, he'll just defend himself and go, well, I scored that against Chesterfield. It's like, well, yeah, it's Chesterfield. You you were a, a Premier League player. And just because you can knock one in from 30 yards against... It's like that video of um, Michael Owen scoring past the... 14-year-old goalkeeper where he runs away celebrating and Neville Southall is training this lad to be a keeper. He just goes, yeah, well done, Michael. He's 14. It's like, same here. Well done, Michael. It's Chesterfield. Polion's goal, though, he can dine out on that forever because that was a great strike. Took it early, <laughs> ran from the uh, ran from the halfway line, beat his man for pace and uh, you thought he was going to run in and maybe go around the keeper but instead shot early, took him by surprise. Good keeper as well, quality player in goal for Chesterfield. He wouldn't have, uh, he's no mug and he uh, he got got the jump on him, put it in the bottom corner. Beautiful goal. The replays, replays were magnificent. Yeah, I think and the, the, the celebration was better than well, Michael yeah. Brown's as well. Michael Brown, and the other thing, Michael Brown's like, oh yeah, it's really good that my daughter was in the uh, in the crowd, so it's good for her to see that. Well, maybe if we brought her to every single game, you might have done something of some use over the last two years. Maybe that's it. You had to have your daughter there. Well, I was going to say same here as, as I think you were about to mention. This was uh, the first game that I took my daughter to, so it was a very important moment personally for me. So what, there, maybe the, if you'd taken her more often, yeah. Michael Brown would have performed better. <laughs> but uh, something had to have happened. Maybe if Mercury wasn't in retrograde, then Michael Brown would have performed better for the last two years. But uh, I was there with my dad and there was me and then she was there, my daughter. So it was the first time we've had three generations sharing that misery at Ellen Road. And how did she feel about Michael Brown's goal? She she burst into tears, as yeah. I'm sure anybody who has followed us on Twitter saw. It was just, it was brilliant. I, I had to spend the next four minutes convincing her that she didn't want to go home to her mum because the noise had scared her. Because the nasty chimp face man wasn't either. 
and uh, the, the man snarling. But she seemed to enjoy it after that, and I forewarned her when Polion went through that it was going to get noisy again in a second. Mm. And uh, she seemed to be all right once I just gave her loads of sweets and stuff. So, no, it was good fun. It was nice to, you know, it's one of those moments you'll remember as a parent, taking your kids to the to the football for the first time. And by the end, she said she'd like to go again. Yeah. So it hasn't completely ruined her childhood. She's going to get a season ticket in the cop? Because you can't make Saturdays, but she could probably get the bus down. She works on Saturdays, sorry. <laughs> at the coal, family thing. Yeah, at the coal face. Two, two assists for A.D. White. <laughs> I did see some people claiming. I, 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 yeah. How well, I didn't go to this game. How was A.D. White? In the hole. In, in the hole. Mm. In the, the hole. The problem, you know how when he's on the wing and he gets the ball and he, he runs mm. and he gets past the first player, kind of knocks it past him and runs. And then he's near to where he should cross and he's got to make a decision and he's got to cross mm. and it goes out for a goal kick. Imagine that, but through the middle of the pitch. That was basically it. Like sprinting from the centre circle and you think something's going to happen here. And he, there was one time where he looked for a through ball, I think to Mathieu. If I was going to pass to anybody, I wouldn't be passing to Mathieu unless I was banging it in his head. And instead, and that that thought may have gone into Wadey White's head halfway through because it ended up just rolling slowly out of play. He's, all, he's like an awkward key or something that lies around your house and you don't want to throw it away because you're sure it'll be. It'll open something. Something. I'll, yeah. I'll try. No, it doesn't. No, left back. No, it doesn't, doesn't fit. Left pa- wing. No. Patio doors. No, tried him. No. It was noticeable that when he went off and McCormack was, came so just on. To, I was going to say, well, did he go off or was he hauled off? I just, you know, a substitution. Okay. A substitution was made. McCormack came on and suddenly looked a lot better against Chesterfield, whereas A.D. White hadn't really distinguished himself against Chesterfield. I think the A.D. White in the whole experiment perhaps has run its course. I'm not sure it's going to work out in the long run. Getting back to left back, he'll be fine. I'm not too keen on Stephen Warnock gets turned too often. Um, at least when Ad White gets turned, he's fast enough to get back and then fall over. But you know, but on to on to defensive stuff then, um, which is pretty much all that happened at Leicester was a, a defensive cancellation out of each team, wasn't it? Um, it was something of a bore draw, but after last year's generally shambolic performances, it felt like a step forward. We didn't lose. It's always a bonus. Get two at home and one away. That'll do. Yes. So we're ahead of schedule. Yes. <laughs> yes. If we can do that twenty-two more times, we'll go up. Yeah. I'll accept that. I would accept promotion <laughs> at this stage. And even the defence didn't actually have to do all that much defending because Rudy Austin was playing and just did everything. Jason Pierce looks like a great defender when Rudy Austin is doing all his work for him. I was at a friend's house out in the sticks and I had no mobile phone coverage and because he's just moved there, he hasn't got Sky put in yet, so I couldn't even watch the game. So I had no idea what had happened until after the game. Now, I found out it was nil-nil and I still sat through it on Sky+. Plus later on that night, sort of sat through the first half, started getting a bit fatigued. So I watched the second half on double speed just to save a bit of time. Still enjoyed it. Got the general thrust of what was going on. Yeah, there wasn't much It would have been much than in the second half than it was for us. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, as a fan of Leeds, it was relatively enjoyable because it had that sort of tenseness to it. But I can imagine if that had been Peterborough against Wolves, mm. I would have been thinking this is the worst thing I've ever seen. How did you feel when uh, Tom Liesenbauer went down? <laughs> Because he, he looked badly, he looks hurt, badly he, hurt. My boy just got back up. Carried on. The thing to take from this game, then, it, it strikes me that we're going to be competitive going into most matches this season, and, and we're going to look like we can take something out of each game, even if it is only a point at the outset. If we can go through games against teams that were in the playoffs last year unbeaten and only concede once, we're going to be all right. You know, we've got nothing to worry about if we can keep that up. Who is going to score the goals does seem to be still a question. Hunt. Mm, he runs about a lot, 
I only seem to notice him when he's got the ball by the corner flag. That seems to be the point where you go, oh yeah, no Hunt's, no Hunt's got the ball. Varney. Goal kick. Yeah. <laughs> the two of them played quite wide, didn't they? This was identified on Sky by none other than uh, Leeds-loving Don Goodman. Mm. Um, I watched this on a, a German internet stream. Yeah. So it was uh, it was Goodman free. And at halftime, <laughs> they didn't have any kind of discussion. They just put some adverts on for the whole halftime. It was, it was all right. It was any good nice. adverts? The Brat uh, first? And- <laughs> Yeah, it's all laid housing and that kind of stuff. I love foreign adverts. You know, even even if it was just Colgate toothpaste, it'll have a different brand name, and we'll be talking about it in German. Yeah, we'll. He, he did. <laughs> it's more interesting than the game was. The commentator did did keep calling him Nugent, Nugent, instead of Nugent, which was good. That was about the best thing about it, though, to be honest. Nugent, Nugent. Yeah, the the two attackers seem to be splitting their um, three centre halves quite wide, which left a spare man in the middle for them at the back, which freedles up a bit of space to play in the middle of the park. So why did we not play? Yes, <laughs> yes. how can we didn't win and score lots of goals? Because we're not Through that good. We're all right, but we're not that good. What this game just showed really is that we would absolutely love Becchio, Snodgrass and Gradle back. Because if they were all playing, yeah. if we we're as solid as that with those three, you think, ah... Oh, wouldn't that be? We'd actually have chances. And see oh, them. man. <laughs> it's Be- Becchio's the one, because the problem we have at the I moment know, is, is if, well, yeah, in every respect. <laughs> problem is, if Hunt is pulling out wide in one in one direction, Varney's going out wide in another, McCormack's dropping deep to uh, to invent from behind, and there ain't nobody up front to score the well, goals. We can't play, if we, even if we had Becchio, we wouldn't be allowed to play with 12 men. You're thinking maybe of dropping Varney or something, aren't you there? Usually, yes. No, but I, th- I get what you're By saying. By default, I get what you're saying there. But then again, I think the idea is when the two of them split the centre backs, then McCormack can come through the middle rather than dropping deep at that point. But you know, yeah, it's going to take time. McCormack's like four foot two, so he's not going to win the fast, balls like Eddie White. Even when, <laughs> yeah, even when he's uh, <laughs> even when he's he's man against man against just one defender, you can't rely on McCormack to be muscling a guy out the way Becchio would. Becchio always made sure. He won the ball whenever the ball came into the box. He wasn't too keen on it being punted at him by Paddy Kenny or Casper Schmeichel back in the day. Wasn't it horrible to see him again? But when the ball was across, he'd always get on the end of it. So if we're pulling out wide and crossing, if only, you know, the transfer window's not closed yet. And all he's doing is uh, walking along the beach at Great Yarmouth every single day, his old Lucy. So he can go with Filey just as easily. You'd go with him, wouldn't you? I would. Well, there's the urban beach in Millennium Square at the moment. You can just go there. Have you seen that? Um- Put in mind of the training montage on Rocky, you know, where they're having a little splash with each other in the sea. That could be you and Becchio. Yeah. Well, he's Mid- flowing. Well, Matthew Smith's he's flowing Argentinian locks. <laughs> opens the wine on the... Uh, hey, listen, right, let's wrap up this bit. Um, so, first couple of games of the season, four points. Would have taken that before the start of it. Happy with that? Yes. Like yeah. you said, I've taken that at any point over the last eight years. Happy days. And obviously through to the next round of the League Cup, so all good. Going to win that. On the Brighton of doing shit, which is a bit disappointing. I thought that was a good win, and then they've not won since. And think, ah, they'll pick it up. They'll be they'll be there or thereabouts. You think? Did we? Did anybody tip them to go down? The news. Let's start this bit off then, as always, with trialists, transfers, and speculation. And we deal with players uh, coming in first. Signing number four, uh, thought to be Yaman Greer from Brighton, has fallen through. Um, Yaman Greer, the very same. Yeah, she's not having it. Are we a bit worried by the lack of movement in? Well, yeah, but not. No, it's not surprising. So, mm. meh. I'm not not worried because I understand it. I'm frustrated because the lack of movement in is due to a lack of movement out, which means nice as Michael Brown's goal was, he's still here. 
lovely as Danny Pugh's hair can be under the right circumstances, he's still here. Who else is sniffing around that we need need rid of? Who else is clogging up? Have we got a few generic midfielders we could probably get rid of? You, you, yeah, well, like you, Norris. Norris, you know, Norris can go. I mean, Tong's been all right, don't get yeah, me wrong, but we've got a generic set of midfielders, haven't we? Tong's on like a 15-year contract, so he's going to be difficult to shift. So he may as well stay because he's not bad. He's slow, but um, he's better than Norris. I mean, the closest we seem to have come to any sort of uh, signing at the minute, I mean, we are apparently in talks about getting a, a fourth one, but it seems to be very... Labour, doesn't it? But the mm. only sign of anybody was something my old man relayed to me on the phone today that he read on one uh, possibly Leeds rumours or something uh, equally credible that um, Stephen Noel's brother Hunt was enjoying a latte with uh, McDermott at the uh, Starbucks in Harrogate. Given we can't afford anyone though, he's, he's meant to be on like huge amounts of money at Wolves. So. Yeah. Can we afford to pay for his coffee? Even. <laughs> Maybe it's McDermott with his 50 euro notes again. He's doing it out of his own pocket. Dishing money out like confetti. Do we need Stephen Hunt? Is he any good? He's a wide man, isn't he? You get a mm. sense he, he might be the bloke that we bring in on transfer deadline day when everything else has gone tits up. When nobody else wants him. Yeah. I think that's been the problem with the elusive signing four so far. I've been calling it Project Matt Mills in the, what I've been writing about for in the Square Ball week because it's been, I think it's Matt Mills that he wanted. Um, Jermaine Greer was kind of plan B and is the one because it, it changed from there's a player that we want, we're working really hard, we think we're going to get him, it's going to be fine, to we thought the club, this club wanted to do something, but they've changed their mind. And I think it's two separate things. I think it was Matt Mills was the dream and uh, Greer was just the uh, second dream. On to players out then. We have been attracting bids apparently for Ross McCormack, who's been subject to multiple bids from Middlesbrough, apparently now going as high as 1.3 million, and Blackpool, who offered significantly lower. Tell him to fuck off. Yeah, he's not for sale. Wouldn't you sell him at any price? Well, not at any price. You to replace him, that's a problem. Well, that's what and I'm what saying. Is, that money? is there a price that you would accept that we could then potentially reinvest in a, another player? The difference now is that we know that money could possibly be spent on a player. So it so. depends how much the other player costs. How much will the player cost? And whether we like him or not. Yeah, who will it be? How like much will the cost? Yeah. You know, McCormack works. People, we, there was this discussion going on on forums when we were getting rid of Becchio and getting Morrison in, and some people were saying, oh, well, yeah. Morrison's potentially better, but we know Becchio works. We know McCormack works. Let's just leave it, eh? Yeah. It's not worth Let's keep about. the ones who we know are all right. Yeah. Plus, and, you've got to yeah. remember if we sell him, what we're losing the exchange rate. <laughs> Etc. And the other, I mean, if Middlesbrough, they technically have designs on promotion. So if they want Ross McCormack, there must be something good about him that they can see and think he will help us get promoted. So if we let him go and then we're trying to find someone else to find, let's get, help us get promoted, we've, we, we could have cocked up. When people want your players, it's because they're good players and we need to keep the good players. So we need to somehow convince people that Michael Brown and Danny Pugh are worth a million each. And we'll He's help got a great goal, did Michael well, Yeah, exactly. That was, Get that um, on YouTube. In the shop window. Blackpool wanted A.D. White as well, which was a bit rich for uh, for the money they were offering. Maybe it was maybe it was going to be a million for Ross and then 750k <laughs> if they have to take A.D. White as well. Was boom, the, boom. Um, the Ross and Ray Wallace thing? You buy Rod, one, you Rod and Ray Wallace. Yeah. So you yes. buy one, you get one free. I say you buy one, you get one free. I don't get the impression from Ross McCormack that he won't go anywhere without A.D. White. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's the negotiations breaking down with Middlesbrough. I've got to have AD with me. I love Willie. Willie I love that little meerkat. That's what he called him on Twitter. The banterific wit. I actually thought the meerkat thing's quite funny if you look at him. He does look like a meerkat. Runs in, like one as well. But the similar ball control. In terms of um, players, 
players out. Um, Steve Morrison's been a bit chippy, hasn't he? Fuck I, off. I don't care. Does he still exist? Do He's you... not doing much down there. It started well, haven't they, Millwall? Yeah. That's a shame, that is, because they're, they're everyone's second club, really. I mean, yeah. On the way back from the Brighton game, in, on the radio, they were talking about the Millwall game. Steve Morrison was just unable to get on the end of a cross. I thought, yep, of course he fucking was, was unable to. <laughs> Players who are not playing for us at the minute, one of which is Sam Byram. He's injured. This is quickly turned into, as we I think we may have predicted, one of those Leeds United injuries that starts off as a niggle and ends up as an operation and lasts for months. Mm. Weeks, not months. Yes. We've got, we have yeah. got a bit of history with this. Of On the face of it, it may appear to be cost-saving of not wanting to send people for operations. <laughs> and then it just goes on for ever, yeah. seemingly. Just get it seen to. He'll be a rich man already. He'll have excellent medical insurance. Get it sorted. Go see a doctor, get it fixed. Stop going to these quack doctors who are just like, oh, it'll take care of itself. Hi, I'm Dr. Nick. <laughs> exactly. Get just it. walk it off. It reminds me of uh, when Gary Kelly appeared at, at right back and then played 100 consecutive games and then was knackered with shin splints and was basically never the same again. But that took like three seasons for us to break him, whereas we seem to have <laughs> we seem to have broken our new Byron. From, from carrying we, the rest of the club last season. <laughs> after just one year. it is we, we do seem to do this. We get a new toy. <laughs> and play with it so much that it breaks Or we lose a really important part of it, yeah. like his hip. <laughs> well, he can just get a, get a hip replacement. Oddie's had a replacement hip and he runs around just fine. I'm worried of it because my nan had a hip replacement and it nearly killed her. Got to be careful with these things. Did they try to put it into her th- mouth or something? No, do you want to know the actual reason? Mm, Probably not. Not going to like <laughs> this, am I? I'm going to feel terrible <laughs> for asking. When, when they, the glue... Basically, she was allergic to the glue that they used, the cement oh, to put it in place, and it stopped, it stopped her heart. So let's not do that to Sam Byram. Sam Byram's allergic to nothing apart from health. Do you think there's something in the uh, the idea that he's, it's McDermott keeping him out of sight until the window's closed? Just telling the physios to play along. Just tell everyone yeah, yeah. he's injured mm. until September. I hope, they, I hope they haven't told him that as well. He's like, no, I feel fine. No. <laughs> no, Sam. Munchausen by the, proxy. Look at the x-rays. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're definitely limping, Sam. You know, I'm not. I'm not. There you, you are now. Like in, a, in Escape to Victory when they break the keeper's arm. He'll be back. Imagine what we could do with a right back in that team that's doing quite well. What are you saying about Lou Pellier? He stopped emailing me. He has, yeah. hasn't he? Bless him. Well, we can move on, we can move on to that then shortly. Austin Min, our captain. But we should uh, mention the under-21 game that took place. Sorry, the Blazing Squad game. Mm. It's the Blazing Squad, isn't it? At Colwyn Bay. So tell me about this. I, I know nothing about it. I'm just reading the notes and I can't believe what I'm reading. Colwyn <laughs> Bay managed by Frank Sinclair and Adi Akinbay. The dream and it, team. And Pascal Chimbonda was playing for them. Yeah. What? Frank Simpla- <laughs> Frank what the hell's going on uh, down there? Frank Sinclair turned out for some other team, I think, over the summer. And that, like played one game for he them and then went and managed. Who? Frank, Frank Sinclair? Sinclair. He, was scoring own, he was old and scoring silly own goals in the Premiership <laughs> for being about 1996. I'm sure he was. He's sort of Dubry vintage. Yeah, old. Shit. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's why he's managing and not playing. Pascal Chimbonda's playing. Colwyn Bay as well. And what's Adiakin Bay doing there? Co-managing. <laughs> You're struggling to compute this, aren't you? <clears throat> Pascal Chimbonda only goes places where there's money. How do you think Colwyn Bay have got Frank Sinclair and Adiakin Bay managing well. them? It sounded like a, a nice day, though. It was it was the Blazing Squad went to Colwyn Bay and uh, because it's North Wales, where Gary Speed's from, his mum and dad were there to be introduced to the new the new young players before the game, which is a, a nice touch. I saw they got a, an Asics shirt with the, the hoop on with Speed 11 was presented to them before the game. That's all good. And it was a 1-1 draw. Alex Mowat with a stunning last minute free kick 
which I like the sound of. Mowit seems to be, everyone kind of started talking about Dawson because he got in the team last year, even though I think Neil Warnock may have just been picking youth players' names out of a hat by that point. He's like, God, I've got to get them off our back somehow. Just, you know. That's what he said. Um, but, oh, oh, how, how have I gone from, <laughs> like, from like, from a, a tribute to Gary Speed to slagging off Neil Warnock again? <laughs> no, when he turned up at um, Crystal Palace and started running, running out of players, he just went to the uh, youth team coach and he just went, get me four good ones out of the youth team. And he basically came over and it was Wilfred Zahar was one of them and uh, Bostock was the other one. He's like, oh, they turned out to be pretty good. But it was that was how scientific that it was. He's like, you run the youth team, don't you? Are any of them any good? He's like, well, yeah, him and him. All right, you, you guys, it was, you guys are playing on Saturday and that's as much science as it went into it. So that's Bla- how, Blazing squad bingo. That's how Dawson got in the team, I suspect, as well as being the new, um, who's the other one, the Real Madrid Midget from Modric. Czechland, Modric, but it seems like Alex Moet could actually be the uh, the talented one that Warnock has right. never heard of. It was a champagne moment from Moet, Moet, Moet. Mo- yeah. Mm-hmm. So sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. I enjoyed it. I was laughing in- inwardly. Um, <laughs> sorry, listener. So we got him. We got Killick. I think he played as well. So there's a few. We'll be relying on the youth before long when uh, when McCormack, Ad White, Sam Byram, Brown and Pugh have all been sold. That's another. I mean, Brown and Pugh are taking up space that Dawson and uh, Dawson and Moet could be having in the squad. Using oxygen, they could be breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they look at themselves in the mirror. But yeah, as we mentioned before, um, Rudy Austin is now our captain. Who can have all the space he wants and all the oxygen he'll, he needs. God, he'll take he it. <laughs> um, what I like is this, how this story's been reported. There's, there's that vaguely threatening undertone about the whole episode. Mm. For example, he said he was shocked at what the boss asked him. And I like this. He said, I found out on Friday morning, the gaffer sent someone to call me into his office. Like McDermott thought, I'll, I'll send a lackey to do this. I don't, <laughs> don't go ask him yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody get, please get me Rudy, please <laughs> bring him here. Um, I went up there and he was telling me that he respected me, which you would. I respect you, Rudy. <laughs> Through that threatening stare. Then he touched my leg. He told me he wanted me to lead the team. I was shocked and I told him I needed to think about it because I'm not the type of person who just jumps and makes decisions. So he's a co- he's a cold-hearted killer is what he's saying there. When it comes to long-distance shooting, though, he <laughs> makes very quick decisions on that. No, I think he thinks about it a long way in advance, as in he's been thinking since he was about 16. Whenever he has the ball within 50 yards of the goal, he will shoot. He goes on, sometimes you don't have to shout. Sometimes you just... You can just point them in the right direction. Imagine if Rudy's just staring at you and just points. You'd move. You would move where he tells you to move. I don't like to put people down. I like to encourage, and that's the sort of captain I will be. I just get along with everyone. I bet you do, because I bet nobody dares cross him. Could we get him to put um, Danny Pugh down? Yeah. A simple hold yeah. around the neck. He won't, feel, he won't feel any pain, Danny. One big hug. I'd rather he did. Anyway, Rudy goes on to state something very obvious to us, that he came to the club to play his football and that's what he does for a living. Yep. Good observation, yep. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who is the captain. I didn't know I was going to be the captain, but it's a big honour and I will try to do my best, sorry, try to do my best to do a good job for the club and the boys. Good man, yeah. we salute. Yeah, we like good you. Good man, good captain. We like Rudy. It's don't a we? good choice. Love Rudy. I love his shooting. I know it annoys some people, but I really like the fact that whenever we have a free kick, it's all it's it's like a special teams thing where there's a free kick and you can just sit back and just go, Rudy's gonna try it. And one day he's gonna shoot from fifty yards and it's gonna break the net. We used and to say this be- about Lubo. And I think he did do it after he'd left. Yeah. So I'm still remember seeing the football league show one time and it was into the League One stuff when we went in it and you're kind of drifting off and you're like fucking hell <laughs> he's actually done it 
And if, if Austin does manage to score from the centre circle one of these days, think how good that's going to feel. So I'm happy to let him keep trying. And plus, I'm not going to tell him not to. Nobody's going to tell him not to. Rudy, that was um, um, good. Good effort. Well yeah, close. Getting getting closer. Keep trying. Keep yeah. trying. You do whatever you like. Uh, good captain. Good one. We approve. Yeah. Everybody approves. Yeah. There's no. There's no doubt. I mean, we've needed a player like Rudy for years. I remember when we used to moan about Andy Fai and um, we thought maybe Michael Brown would do it, and we were just like Grayson was always looking for that destroyer. Keith Southern. Keith Southern was who we wanted. And who else did we get that played there? There was some. Oh, Doyler. Doyler. Yeah, we had Doyler. So this is Doyler 2.0. It's uh, Rudy Austin. If he could only pass over distances of more than like 20 yards with any accuracy, he'd be probably be playing in the Premier League because he just he just has that air of being better than everyone else, stronger than everyone else fitter than everyone else, more committed than everyone else, more interested than everyone else, more prepared to take risks. I mean, that, the serious point about him shooting from 50 yards, at least he's prepared to try and score. He doesn't just, you know, he's not interested in trying to score a goal. He'll, he'll just pass it. No, he's going to try and score a goal himself because he's going to win the game. Perfect captain material. And it doesn't matter if all he does is turn around, stare at Luke Varney and breathe. I think the message will get through. Best thing about Rudy is that as a captain, he's quite prepared to sing reggae on video, I think. There's that, the uh, the rap that he did at Brand as well, where he recreated John Barnes's rap, and then to actually find him singing Bob Marley songs on the internet just makes me love him all the more. We've now got a captain and a manager singing on YouTube. Surely that's a first. There's got to be a duet coming up. The, the days of Waddle and Hoddle with uh, Macker and Rudy. Doing a special tribute, potentially. <laughs> Would work, wouldn't it, yeah. You don't you don't necessarily imagine like I don't know Fraser Richardson busting out some Kaiser Chiefs do you on YouTube or not often no the thought hadn't occurred to me <laughs> so I'm just looking back through our list of captains well we're going to talk about captains now sort of broaden the subject out a little bit in light of Rudy's appointment and as well the football league are polling greatest players and greatest captains and stuff aren't they the club has to submit a list of who the oh, greatest I, captains are I wonder are. who it could be Yo, <laughs> it's a toughie isn't it. I was um, quite surprised by some of the other choices. QPR's greatest captain appeared to be Terry Venables. Wow. Our greatest was, manager. Was the only Terry Venables voted on that one? Yeah. He had a little word with his mates, didn't he? <laughs> Got the number sorted out. But yeah, we've had um, we've had 33 captains now, including Rudy, over our 93-year existence. Um, not including the ones that, the Robbie Rogers ones. Yeah, these are, the, these are the full-time appointed captains, not the, the, the stand-ins. But uh, he's our 33rd full-time captain then in 93 years. Interestingly, we only had 19 in the pre-Sky era. Um, and then only 14, we've had 14 since rather. Do you think it's because in the post-Sky era, people have started making more of a big deal about it, even though it doesn't really matter? I think, no, we've just gone through a lot of players. Oh, okay. But to be honest, if you just look really post-Trevor Cherry, we've been through a hell of a lot prior to that. Well, just in general. <laughs> but when you look at some of the some of the amounts of time that people have been captains, I mean, Bobby Collins for four years, but Billy Brem, look, at 10 years as captain. Mm. Um, well, you weren't going to take it off him, were you? <laughs> You know what, Bill? I've been thinking. <laughs> oh, do I mean, you must remember uh, Tom Holly, his captaincy. Obviously broken up, you went to war. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the second... I fucking that, know that, that we're going to That's the Second World War, not the Boer War. Some real statesmen of the game in there. I mean, you, you forget that going back to 1955, John Charles was captain for two years. One of the greatest players ever mm. to have played the game. I think that was the area where you just give it the best player. You're not, it wasn't so much about... Uh, 
leadership or anything. It's just... Leadership or about what, what reggae songs they know. It's more just like, who's best? Him. Right. <laughs> Wear that. You're in charge. Well, in that case, Wilbur Cush must have been good in 57 to 60 because Don Reavy was his, uh, his understudy, his vice captain. Remember Wilbur well. He was uh, a, a, a legend. Cushy. Cushy. <laughs> Cushta. Wilby. Um, I've never heard of Wilbur Cush, to be honest. I'm quite surprised. Captain for three years. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I didn't know. Most of the other names, I mean, obviously the 20s and 30s. Wilf Copping is a name that's cropped up before from 33 to 34. I that one. Coppers, yeah. <laughs> Eric Kerfoot, um as well, just before John Charles, but um, Wilbur Cush has just passed me by. Let's talk generally about the captains before we, we drill down into this. I mean, do you think the role of captain these days is overestimated? Newspapers do go a bit, mainly with England captaincy, mm. it's worth saying, they, rather than club captaincy, but they do seem to think somehow it's up there with Prime Minister and <laughs> the Queen in terms of representing the country, which, given it's been John Terry, isn't ideal. They do a better job. I bet John Terry loves the Queen. Yes. When you say the Queen, do you mean the Queen of England or just his mum? Yeah, both. Both. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Queen. <laughs> Leeds were one of the... Uh, Cockney thugs do love their mums, that's a fact. Leeds are one of the quite funny about the, the captaincy thing, because I, I do think it has become more, like, overblown. Like, it shouldn't matter. Rudy's got the great attitude. He said, everybody in the team is a captain. I just happen to wear the armband. That's fine. But I remember when um, Strachan was still captain, and he was club captain, and then Gary McAllister was team captain. And I think the vibe was that it wasn't really working very well. People didn't know who to talk to, who they were supposed to moan to, who was in charge. You'd have Gordon saying one thing, Gary saying the other. And they kind of shared it about with, I remember the charity shield, because Strachan was substitute. So I can't remember if McAllister went up and got the shield himself or if they shared the lifting of it. But it all just becomes 
you know, I want to hold the handle of the pot. And you, you know, I was, I've been not captain an issue all that's season. faced our recent captains. <laughs> you know, this is true. But as, you, as we say, I mean, we don't have a pot to piss in. As, as we've said, Strachan, the only person to have held a trophy aloft, other than Bremner. Well, apart from McAllister, so. <laughs> Well, so you'll, you'll your charity shield's not a trophy. Of course no. it's a trophy. That's a silly trophy. It's no one like, wants that. It's a big plate. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Gary McAllister thing. that. I'd take it. I mean, you, I say you look at um, some of the statesmen in the game, you've got um, John Charles, you know, really recognised in Italy, didn't he? He was voted into Juventus's top 10 best ever players. I think wasn't he? top one. That, that's that's even better yeah. in my eyes. Uh, Bobby Collins, Trevor Cherry, you sort of look at Gary Mack, who we've just spoken about. Yeah. And, in, and in more modern times, Lucas uh, Radebe, I mean... Faultless. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A flawless character, really. I Apart mean, from the, his knees. Yeah. I mean, that does. that's the other role of a captain, is that part of it is the public face of the club. I mean, I would have been delighted to get emails from Lucas Radaby. I'm sure they would have been f- beautiful, but that is part of it. You open the supermarkets, you go to the schools. I spoke to... I don't want our players opening supermarkets. <laughs> In my other life writing for the City Talking newspaper, we spoke to Seth Pod, and he said the way it worked when he was community officer at Leeds in the early 90s, was he would go to Gordon Strachan, who was captain, and say, I need some players to go to a school and take some coaching session. And Gordon would get the players and he'd organise that. So those kind of responsibilities come into it as well. It isn't just... I mean, I get the feeling that John Terry's captaincy of Chelsea in England is just wearing the armband, crying blood and yelling. But for most of the normal footballers who aren't pricks, it is being the public face of the club being responsible for what the other players do and arranging a lot of the community side of the side of things. So Lucas Radaby couldn't f- ask for anybody better at that. Gordon Strachan, absolute, you know, he'd do anything for everybody. Funny guy. Paul Butler, Kevin <laughs> Nichols. There's, 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 there's a, a flip side. Well, yeah. Before we get onto this, let, let's just draw quickly our attention to the timeline. And you look at the 80s that his book ended really by Mark Hazelwood, who obviously went out in, in two-fingered disgrace, didn't he, after, he, after he flicked V's at the cop and Wilco unceremoniously dispatched him, never to be seen again. And then you look at the names from there, you've got Gordon Strachan, Gary McAllister, Lucas Radebay, Ferdinand, Dominic Matteo, and then we got relegated, Paul Butler, Kevin Nichols, Jonathan Douglas, Alan Thompson, England international Alan Thompson, I'd mm. like to say. And then Fraser Richardson, and then you come on to the uh, more modern era of you've got Richard Naylor, House and Snodgrass, which brings us around to Peltier and now Austin. But that sort of uh, middle of the millennium decade wasn't a real high point, was it? I've nothing really against Jonathan Douglas. He was a good player. He wasn't very good. He was all right. For the time. (laughs) Relatively Um, speaking. Yeah, Yeah, relatively speaking. Looking back, you know, I mean, Kevin Nichols is, is, it's like a world full of grudge. Probably the nadir of the, uh, yeah. Yeah. This era. So compared to that, Jonathan Douglas, Alan Thompson, Fraser Richardson, decent, honest people. Qualities you look for in a captain, though. Loves Luton. Not one of them. <laughs> no. If that, if that was all it took. Paul Butler loves fighting at golf clubs. Was it a parents' evening? PTA, wasn't it? PTA, I thought it was a PTA golf event. Well, that's Combined all right, everything. We're all right. they, they, they can get heated. I, I've, they can get very heated affairs. It's funny how um, at that point, although Jack Charlton... Don Revy and uh, David Harvey were all vice captains early on. It becomes vice captain becomes a, a definite role on the on Dan's spreadsheet that he's uh, pasted in here. I um, pasted that from Wikipedia. Oh, fair enough. enough. Acting I, captains. Yeah. Rui Marquez. 
uh, you know, you wouldn't argue with Rui. But Gary Kelly, vice-captain under Radaby, vice-captain under Matteo, vice-captain under Paul Butler. What did the guy have to do to uh, become actually Which captain? Default setting. Got to remember as well when Kevin Blackwell went there. He was, he was literally the only option and he still didn't, <laughs> he still didn't get captain. So there were tough days then. I mean, Paul Telfer as vice-captain. Jesus. <laughs> It shows, age. It shows what how low a, did we go? It shows how, how low did we go and also what a relief it was when Richard Naylor turned up. When you just felt, when in all those stories about him singing, marching on together in the showers at Ipswich, him having Leeds tattoos all over his face that he's had to have removed. <laughs> um, and being a Leeds lad and they're just like, right, yeah, he's the captain, good defender. Good player. We had him on the cover of the first... Hard. Um, hard. First issue of the square ball that was after we'd started doing it. Richard Naylor on the front. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Captain, no problem. Everything sorted. We'll be promoted and champions within two years. In that interview, actually, we I think we asked him about that. Was there a lack of leadership in the dressing room? And he, and he didn't outright say yes, but he sort of, you know generally hinted towards that being the case. And mm. it's a theme that seems to have persisted since then, doesn't it? That we've we've lacked a bit of character in the squad and we, we've just stockpiled players, but not necessarily many leaders. One of the problems with the talented bunch that we let go, Naylor's vice-captain here, and then his successor as captain was Johnny Howson. Lovely lad, but that's his main problem. He's lovely lad. Neil Kilkenny, kind of point and whinge. Bradley Johnson you wouldn't really look to him as like somebody you would look up to on a football pitch. A limited vocabulary for making a stirring speech. (laughs) Well, you think about those as characters that they're basically lower league players, none of which have got experience of dragging a club up from, from uh, its depths. And they're all just quiet types. Snodgrass was captain, but he's not really a, a shouter. You were just, I think that was going back to like the best player and the most committed player but not the one who was going to start ordering anybody I think about. as well, at, at that point, it was, let's just do anything we can to try and keep him happy. Yeah, we can't yeah. give you a pay rise, <laughs> yeah. but... Uh, I'll give here, you a, a token here's armband. A, here's, a, yeah. here's a title for you. And Don't leave. It says, remember um, Andy Lonergan is vice-captain here, but remember when he became captain for a while, and he basically just said, I didn't want to do it. Didn't like be, I didn't like being captain. I didn't want to do it in the first place. Gold Troopers, so, the captain, that, seems silly anyway. Uh, he even told uh, Grayson at the time, he's like, Please, please no. And ended up doing it anyway. And, probably uh, It probably says a lot about the characters in the dressing room, doesn't it, when that sort of thing's happening? Yeah. That they're not capable of uh, shouldering the burden of playing for Leeds, really. Looking at best and worst, obviously we've identified bests in there. Uh, would you have Strachan probably a second to Bremner? By default, really. Just as captain yeah. of our only other successful team. <laughs> and also he was here at a time, he coincided with Wilkinson and they both... He, was, he always identified him as his general on the pitch, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. That was thing. He bought into Wilco's vision, didn't he? It might be over-romanticising it to say that they rebuilt the club together, but let's be overly romantic for a while <laughs> without tongues and just say they re- rebuilt the club together. To me, it does feel like that when you look back on it, even if it is through you know, nostalgic eyes, it, yeah. it does feel like they he was the, the man off the pitch and then Strachan was the guy who was doing it on the pitch. And you think back to that incident with Vinnie Jones when he got was he booked in the pre-season friendly and Strachan just said to him, we need you on the pitch, not yeah. off the pitch. And and he barely got booked, did he, all season? Yeah, he so said, we don't do that here. Worst captains, we've had plenty of fun um, talking about this. Don't describe and... it as fun. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, we, so we tweeted and Facebooked this earlier on, who, who do you remember as captains? Didn't necessarily ask for best and worst. And all, all the humorous people have put Robbie Rogers, obviously, for his uh, several minutes of armband wearing. Was it at Reading? Uh, yeah, Thorno 
um, off of Twitter has described it as the best 18 minutes of his life. <laughs> Probably the best 18 minutes of Robbie Rogers' life as well. It's always funny that poor old Robbie, in between injuries and all his other problems, somehow ended up wearing the, the armband. He didn't let us down that day or Stayed ever. conscious. Yeah, that was it. He's one of the few games he managed to actually finish, but then I think he'd only come on as sub. <laughs> Even so, well done. Callum Bramley's uh, recalled a brilliant incident of Paul Butler getting booed after scoring a late consolation versus Leicester at home. <laughs> We're a set of bastards, aren't we? Well, that was the, the era of acting captain Sean Gregan's wife getting abuse in the car park, so nobody was really, nobody was really in the best. His pregnant not, wife. Not happy times, were they? No. I stayed behind to shout at Paul Butler once as well, after we, when we lost 4-0 <laughs> to Stoke. PTA meeting. <laughs> I was, I was going to leave, and I thought, no, do you know what? Fuck it, I'm staying. What did you shout? Oh, just useless facts <laughs> and stuff like that, probably. <laughs> stuff that it was all true. That's our captain. Show some respect. <laughs> You think about captain's performances, one one that stands out from the modern era was the day that Grayson handed uh, Beckford the mm. captain's armband on his on his farewell performance, especially when you consider he'd been out of the team. It, and he'd been acting like a bit of a dick as well. Understandably, looking back, now we know what was going on with his transfer request and everything. But yeah, that was um, brilliant. Everybody was like, A, couldn't believe he was playing and then there was that captain. And he thought, Grayson's chucking this away. <laughs> but it was a, a masterstroke got everything right I always remember second half I think we've mentioned this before Beckford standing on the left wing following orders absolutely to the letter and also trying to prevent Max Gradle from killing the referee was <laughs> not a regular captain that's not one of the duties you expect he's like we're going to prevent you with this madcap midget and he's going to uh, he's going to attempt to strangle it's like, it's like a official. sitcom waiting to happen isn't it that is. uh, I like this one Ross Bell on the Facebook page says that says Jonathan Douglas Probably just me, but I love that big-headed bastard. Big-headed as in his actual head is massive. <laughs> Another one that's uh, tickled me uh, on the funny bone that's on the Facebook page, and this is by Nick J. I won't attempt to um, pronounce his surname because I will only get it wrong, but it would get you a fantastic score in Scrabble. Um, he just puts, to this day, I still remember Lee Peltier. <laughs> Harsh, yeah. but fair. Yeah, never really got him as captain. Didn't quite understand I think one, That was an odd... Because he was his signing, wasn't he? He's all he, it was all he'd got that summer, really. That was going back again to Warnock's book. Um, he signed one of the players that didn't work out. One you of the should many have players. read that book. I read two of them. He signed somebody for uh, for Sheffield United. I can't remember. He's like, I, I bought him in, and he was going to be my captain because I saw him. I saw him in a couple of games. And he was doing a lot of shouting. But when I signed him, I realised that all he, all he ever used to shout was excuses. And he, uh, he always used to blame everybody else and would take no responsibility on himself. So I played him for 10 games and they had to... Uh, well, there's, I, only, there's only room for one person doing yeah. that. And he's <laughs> and then, I, to, I sent him out on loan on Watford and then he's the one that he sold to uh, Gary Megson. He says, they were fucking made for each other, the pair of bastards. But it was, that was it. <laughs> and that was his whole logic. He's like, he'd seen him in a couple of games shouting. So he thought, I'm going to sign him for my as my captain. And I hadn't thought to check what he was actually shouting about. So it can only imagine, like, it may be seen Lee Peltier once, like, shaking somebody's hand before a game and thought, that's my bloody captain. The way he carried that pennant that day, marvellous. Dealt with all the mascots, perfect. And then you don't realise that what Peltier had actually been doing, listening to a hypnosis CD before the game to get him over his fear of massive furry creatures, <laughs> and that actually every moment of being captain was pure, exquisite torture to him. Um, and he just had to use a combination of slow drug-releasing patches <laughs> and therapy to cope. I mean, Lucas the cop cat, if you're allergic, if you're uh, frightened of big animals, that's a big animal. 
It so, is, just, I was just sorry. I, I just sort of switched off there. I was just ruining over the fact that we always somehow end up back either at Warnock or Becchio with you. Or Lucas the Cop Cat. It's a man in a suit, by the way. Some, <laughs> oh, Becchio. <laughs> Fucking hell. Somebody, um, for some reason, picked out one of my old tweets this week, which was a, a picture of Lucas the Cop Cat at a pre-season friendly. I think it was last year. Um, where he's basically just sitting in the stands, <laughs> surrounded. It's like where all the school kids are. So there's like row after row of school kids on sitting in these this raked seating, and then just in amongst them all, you could just see Lucas the cop cat sitting watching the game, and it's one of the most chilling images <laughs> you can ever imagine. You're just like, oh yeah, all the kids are just enjoying watching a game of football. And like, fucking hell, what the fuck's that leopard just just sitting there quietly, like nobody's responding to the danger. <laughs> coming up. Just to return to that before we do come on to the stuff that's coming up, Christian Lawley on the Facebook page has rather unhelpfully reminded me that Carlton Palmer wore the armband in a number of, a number of games. Why so would you do that to us? He simply said, he says, I also remember Carlton Palmer wearing the armband, armband in a number of games. I wish I couldn't. I've also checked back to the uh, the Lucas the Copcat incident, and it was not a pre-season friendly. He was actually watching the Sea Lion show <laughs> at Flamingoland. So Deciding what to have for tea. It's a, Yes, it's a leopard watching sea lions at Flamingoland, and nobody thought that was out of the ordinary. Surrounded by children. They were cool with it. Kids are adaptable. Moving on to the stuff that's coming up then. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, we're on Sky again on the telly this coming Saturday at lunchtime. They're not doing very well which could mean that we could be the final nail in the Dave Jones coffin. Is he going to wimp out of this again? Because he, he managed to well, win. by getting fired? Well, that might be his other option. He managed to wimp out of... Uh, he invented that fake suspension last season, didn't he? So he didn't have to come to... Uh, come and well he's also been complimentary about us as a club, hasn't he, on, on the telly? At the start. He? Yes, he has. When? It might have been the radio, actually. But yeah, I think he was he was on uh, either Five Live or Talk Sport and... Uh, Something like that, and they were, it was being complimentary about our football club. I need more information than That's this. As, that is as much information as I have. It's too late, Dave. <laughs> yeah, the, the cat is out of the bag there, the, the stable, door, etc. But they've lost two out of two. They lost uh, 2-1 at QPR on the opening day, and then 2-1 at home to Burnley. And in between that, they lost 2-1 against Rotherham in the League Cup. So he's under great pressure already, Dave Jones. Which is a shame, because yeah. I personally think he's a top guy. <laughs> Never had any problems with uh, with Dave Jones. It's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a funny atmosphere on on Saturday. See how many people turn up as well. Is this going to have that sort of uh, difficult second album feeling to it? Then after the first game, such a high, it went so well, full house against Brighton that actually we've got to turn up and do this again, and it's going to be a smaller crowd, a different feeling because it's Saturday lunchtime. It might be different though because this time the people that are there might at least want to be there. Whereas last year, the the few people that did turn up didn't want to be there. So even though there will be, there will be not as many as for Brighton, those that are there will still sing maybe and smile, that kind of thing. <laughs> they won't be acting. They won't the, be captive. They won't be uh, vile and animalistic. Well. There might be some of that. Did Kirkland play in the home game last year? Yes. Did he get much abuse? Was I there? I don't remember. Did I run on the pitch and deck him? I don't remember anything about Sheffield Wednesday last year at home. We, we beat them. It was Varney. the Varney show, the yeah. Luke Varney doubleheader. Was I there? I know he's got a big head down, but oh. <laughs> <Course, 'cause laughs> that's when we went driving to town. Yes, I remember now. Because um, everybody was kind of more excited about McDermott than than worrying about uh, Kirkland too much. I guess it's because we were down the side. I didn't notice what kind of reception he actually got. Perhaps now we're a little bit closer to the uh, closer to the action. 
we'll be able to hear more of the uh, the witty repartee that we'll be sending Chris Kirkland's way. Frankly, he deserves it. He doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> He's been asking for it since he was a teenager. <laughs> Who's ever heard of a teenage goalkeeper with a bad back? And he somehow made a career as a professional footballer. Living a lie. Interesting tweet today from uh, Andy P, one of our writers. He's Arctic Reviews on Twitter. Um, and he says, interesting that LUFC marketing team have been good at sticking away the open goals, but Saturday has given him the same more problems. I mean, what do we expect in terms of the attendance? If, if, is mid-20s a good a good achievement after? Very good. Yeah. It's not really the marketing team's fault that Sky have moved the game to a completely antisocial hour. It may be their fault that we've, they've... Uh, increase the prices for this one it's a category A instead of a category C but then doesn't police advice come into the, yeah, the ticketing prices as well based on that but is, is it not just a symbol then perhaps that category A is just still too bloody high because Andy did follow up that tweet by saying that it seems to have been that, that there's been little thought actually gone into the ticketing strategy and um, by just keeping it as it is r- rather than you know uh, reviewing it and perhaps bringing category A and category C closer together in terms of price I've just realised that for the first time in about a year we've not had a, a section on takeover stuff goodness me just talk of ticket prices made me think that normally sort of slots in around general complaints about yeah. ownership we hope somebody will come in and reduce Jesus. them anyway um, back to the question yeah. well I think there has been some thought given in that if there are more category C games this year then overall it will be cheaper to see Leeds United it will be easier for more people to get in and see on a match by match basis and just some games are going to be I would like cheaper ticket prices for Category A. Everyone would. But there's also the question that because our season ticket money is all going to ticket us, I think they'll be trying to find the balance um, of what they can probably get away with charging while still getting the money they need to run the club because all the ticket sales come in. And there's that thing coming in, they're doing the, what is it, dynamic... Ticket pricing, Ticket pricing is coming in at some point in the season if they can get permission to do it and if they can sort it out. So it's, you know, it's a work in progress. They're still fiddling around with with things. And yeah, it will be a shame that our second game of the season will have a a conspicuously lower crowd because it is a high price and it's an awkward time. But we'll still have more people than the rest of the country, so... This is true. Before we move on to more expensive ticket prices at Ipswich, quick thoughts on the Sheffield Wednesday game. A game we should be winning, but do we um, have to accept it's a a bit less of a foregone conclusion because it's a derby? If Rudy Austin can't get the better of David Prutton in midfield, then they should strip him of the, uh, strip the armband from him and then uh, give it back to him before he notices and gets angry. (laughs) But yeah, we should dominate these losers. Dominate them like Robbie Rogers dominates wine gums. That's a Twitter reference, by the way, if you're wondering what that's It's a Robbie about. Rogers reference. That's passed from Twitter into popular culture. It's going to be in the Oxford English Dictionary by the end of the year. Uh, Michael, Oddie, what do you think of this game? Will we win? Should we win? Actually, I feel odd saying it. I actually think we'll win. Do you feel... Uh, is yeah. that optimism I, I'm sensing? I so. It's a confidence. I don't recognise it. I, can, yeah. I, can't put a, I can't put a name on it. familiar. I think McCormack will score. He's due one, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to be annoyed about not playing for Scotland. He's got to score. And I think Hunt will have a good game. These two things are going to come to pass. They'll be too busy marking Varney after his destruction of them. McCormack and Hunt are going to be marking Varney. <laughs> Who was that long-haired maniac in the helmet that they had last year? He appears to have dropped to the bench in the bit of Wednesday. Did yeah. he have long hair? I thought he just had a helmet. I think he had long hair as well as the helmet. Oh, that's even worse. And then the double-held name like Neil Lillula Collins. It's a Lillula He appears to have been moved out. I think they bought some new defenders, so they may they may not have the Varney memo. They may not be as aware of his threat. 
On to Ipswich then. Um, they lost 2-1 at Reading, but beat um, everybody's favourite team, Millwall, 3-0 at home last time out. In between times, they lost 2-0 at Stevenage, who we conquered in pre-season um, in the League Cup. Yeah, 37 quid the adult ticket prices here, so that we're, we're, we're into Leeds United ballpark here. That seems high. Yeah, it feels, it feels it doesn't it? Now now we know what the uh, visiting fans to Ellen Road who experience Category A must feel. Well, they've got Marcus Evans. He's quite a mysterious character. Nobody really knows who he is or what he wants but he's charging 37 quid. Uh, it'd be nice to get a win here because I think we're overdue one at Ipswich, aren't we, really? Do we not have men sent off every, single, single, every single year? Usually Tom Customary. Lees. Let's have 11. Give it a try. And a win. Yeah, first away win. We don't want to be going too long without her. Um, Leicester was fine, but we've got to be winning away at Ipswich. No point in going, otherwise it's a bloody long way to go and not win. Otherwise, you know, you just phone up in advance and go, actually, that's split the difference, point each, level goal difference, then we don't have to come. That's like what used to happen at school football uh, when you were running out of time and daylight towards the end of the school year. Let's make this result count twice so everyone got six points. Who used to do that? At my school we did. Cheats. We did. We, we, we were due to play one team twice so we said let's just play once and whatever happens we'll call it twice. Crazy. Beat them 5-0 as well. And then they went, they went back to Did you to get them. 10 on your goal difference? Yeah. We won the league that year as well surprisingly enough. Were you 5-0 when you decided that's what you were going to do? On to the big glamour tie then at the end of the month straight after the bank holiday. But no one's going to have hangovers for this. The Painter Derby. I mean, continuing that long legacy of, of famous link-ups between Leeds and Doncaster via yeah. the medium of Billy. We've had Bremner and now this surely surpassed by Mr Painter. Yeah, I think, um, isn't the plan for Billy to play the first half for them and the second half for us? That's the latest. And then that guy from One Direction is going to come and play up for them in the second half so we can have Billy. Yeah, that's all a bit confusing to me, this One Direction thing, because I've not really followed it. it You're just a pop like, radio DJ. You know just, more than we do. It's just a wanky publicity stunt, isn't it? <clears throat> um, on well, behalf the of Don a children's... chairman, surely not. It's on behalf of a children's charity, I think. So if you want to call their uh, efforts to improve the, the health and life of, of the country's youngsters wanky, then... We'll score more goals than Painter will. What, sick children? Just move the children out of Doncaster. They'll instantly improve. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do we reckon we're going to beat them here or what? Because uh, we seem to have sorted out our hex that they had over us. We'll probably play a weakened team again, by mm. which I mean Brown. Maybe even Pew. <laughs> he, scored, he, scored, he scored at Doncaster before. I Pugh. think as part of the arrangements for the match, there's the uh, painter playing both teams, one direction coming on, and also no Michael Brown allowed because they're expecting like 20,000 schoolgirls going to see this One Direction play, play and they don't want them to go home with nightmares. So it's like, it's contracted. No Michael Brown. And uh, Tom Lees has got to sign autographs for everyone. I don't know. It's a bit of a shame we have to play Doncaster um, in general. Just a bit of a shame. That, you know, <laughs> We have to go there. That they're in the league and have a team. I think um, it was uh, Paul Robinson from the YEP uh, tweeted something very amusing. Uh, What's Doncaster's allocation going to be for this game? <laughs> I like that. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. On to this then, our enduring award for people who have contributed to the misery of our existence as Leeds United fans in, in the last two weeks. Ken obviously has to have a nomination for something. What are we going to nominate him for? Um, secretive talks he's having with his lawyers. Yeah, we can hear you whispering, Ken. <laughs> what do you mean there's no grounds for it? He's not come forward <laughs> with uh, with his, his case. We've yet to hear the Pl- legal... He's plotting, he's, he's plotting isn't he? Look, this is a very, very thin on the ground uh, part of this feature. So let's move on to someone else, a genuine nomination. I'm nominating Oddie for... Um, this is controversial, is it? For, Turning on your own here. Well, I was... In this new era of togetherness and, and one spirit, one, well, di- uh, one direction. That's what I was signing up for. I was presented with a, a fate accompli, a half-completed 
season ticket form that was filled with I am Leeds United and we're all in this together and come and join us and march on together and all this. So I uh, I signed my name, put in my bank details, handed it over, got a season ticket card, went to the ground, sat behind a fucking pillar. Cheers, Oddie. Good work. Dear me. I understand he was badly advised, he tells me. When I first moved to the northeast corner, that same same thing happened to me and I moved. Probably the same pillar. Well, apparently we're moving. I've just handed my season ticket back. So I probably won't be able to get into the Sheffield Wednesday game. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. And You'll yeah, have to nominate me for this, you won't you? <laughs> Either that or I'll be sitting on the roof. Um, do we want to nominate the drum at Leicester? Because that's just a dreadful... All uh, drums in football grounds. All, all mm. drums. Even in Europe? I still don't like hearing it. It mm. still annoys me. In Europe, it tends to be accompanied with singing, whereas at Leicester in a silent stadium, it seemed a little bit solemn. Makes it sound like a... Like a, a war thing. Like a, a, or a Dickensian workhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what the King Power Stadium is. Yeah, we've not mentioned our fans in that game. Who were very good. Loud. Leicester fans... Non-existent. There was um, a great tweet from a Leicester fan who was moaning about that. He was um, saying about, oh, yeah, well done to all the Leicester fans for staying quiet again so our players could concentrate. For being so polite, yeah, it was, wasn't it? I would like to nominate Sky Sports and or the Football League, probably Sky Sports, for conjuring up this FL72 brand for the Football League. Wanky branding, not necessary. I No, the FL72 thing excites me. I was never interested in... In football before, but now Premier League. Uh, what's P- that? PL twenty. Well, exactly. Is Sean Harvey's doing? I'd love it if that was part of his interview. <laughs> yes, I've heard of a thing called. They were doing it at my last place. A thing called Twitter. <laughs> FL seventy. That's why they've done it. That is why well, they've done it, isn't it? The craziest thing is hashtag FL um, used up less room in the tweet, and everyone knew what it was. It's not like it was going to be, you know, French liver. So FL seventy two is just like there's probably some restaurant somewhere going like people keep ordering French liver 72 times and we can't keep up with these orders I would also like to extend this nomination to the bizarre cafe that Peter Beagery seems to be sat in when doing the FL72 programme I didn't see any of this. It was weird. It was it, the, the, I don't know whether they built this pretend coffee shop or whether they're genuinely filming from a coffee shop, but him and Simon Thomas of Sky Sports were sat there talking about football and there were people in a cafe drinking drinks behind them. He had like a, a token latte or something on the, on the desk. It was just weird. Are they going for that James Richardson football Italia thing where he used to yeah, sit hey, outside? Hey, everyone, we're, we're casual. We, we're we, Bradford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're casual. We have uh, hashtags and uh, lattes. Yes. Well, there's, there's that and there's also the Football League show's um, new set where they've gone from having that big warehouse that Manishi's... Dun- Manishi's dungeon. Yeah, well, he used to just treat it like a climbing frame. You know, he'd be hanging <laughs> hanging off the bars here. He'd be standing on this bit of ironwork here. And now, like, the walls are closing in. I'm wondering if this is the final stage in the dungeon work that every week by week, the walls will be a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And so in the end, it's just him and Steve Claridge in, like, in, in a coffin. <laughs> Although it is a very uh, bright shade of disco purple, is that set now? We can also, um, since we're on this theme, um, I watched BT Sports coverage of Halifax Town's visit to Cambridge, which was a, you know, a humdinging game of football with Halifax Town. Two men sent off. Two men sent off, the goalkeeper sent off, the conceding goals, all sorts of things going on. Then at half time, um, that's when I discovered that the show was being presented by Clem. Oh, yeah. So he's there and it's, and he's co-presenter on the analysis at half time. Neil Warnock. So you got the pair of them standing on the pitch. 
talking and and then um and all warnock I had just to imagine say, patting each other on the back yeah. there was a lot of, a lot of back patting and both halifax's sending offs had resulted in penalties so those would be the incidents red cars and penalties and, and neil warnock said at half time like really that's the, that's the next rule that needs change now we got the now we got the uh, the goal line technology in the next one i want them to look at when they have these meetings the next one they've got to look at is that cuz you're being punished twice and it's just it's the laws an ass the law's an ass when you got when you're being punished tri- twice. A penalty's enough. And then to compound the problem, they had in the first half James Beatty had been uh, the co-commentator had done fine. But then you had Clem standing at the bottom of a ladder up to the commentary position, going, "All right, we're going to film Neil Warnock getting up that ladder because we're we're doing a substitution of the co-commentators." And you had James Beatty coming down, shaking hands with Neil Warnock, and then Neil Warnock because he's a vain, prissy bitch refused to be filmed going up the ladder he's like you're not filming me going up there so they had to, and they were like no go on and he's like no you're not filming me going up a ladder so they had to cut away go back to the bit and then they filmed from the top once you once he'd got set and he's like you know yeah nobody was filming me so i had to suffer him through the second half and if i had a pound for every time he said that, that law's an ass really it, it's the next one i want them to look at because they've been punished twice and this would be a different game the laws and ask lads, on and lads, on lads, and on. Lads, the game, I, the game we've landed back at Warnock. Anyway. Well, they keep employing him. It, but, well, somebody, I keep saying, "Oh, I want to be the Red Adair of uh, of football." Go in, go in after January and try and try and keep a club up, or or get a club up if they want to change your manager. Roll on January, get him off the telly. I know nobody's watching BT Sports anyway because it's not league and nobody's interested. But you know, still. Okay, so Ken Bates has been nominated for something a bit superfluous. Oddie's been nominated by Moscow for putting him behind a pillar. Pillaring me. Uh, we've got the drummer at Leicester. We've got Sky Sports and or the Football League slash Sean Harvey for the FL72 and coffee shop thing. Let's blame Harvey for the coffee shop as well. Yeah. Um, and you are nominating BT Sports, which has sort of morphed into Neil Warnock himself. Well, for combining Mark Clement and Neil Warnock on the same screen. Let's put let's put them under the BT Sports. The Clemnock. Clemnock. <laughs> that sounds like a right insult that you've Clemnock. Well, the war Clem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who do we want to have winning this uh, Ken Bates villain of the Fortnite award I know he deals anyway Moscow it's pretty clearly going to Colin football league for me Oddie you bastard you get the signing vote I get the casting vote just to keep Moscow quiet I'm going to go for BT Sport hey. yeah, there we go any other business we've got t-shirts on sale and we should hopefully sell them to you do you want to buy one you should buy one they're lovely look look how nice they look <laughs> Yeah, we've got two T-shirts on sale, the same T-shirt in different colours. It says... And there's more than one of each. You can yeah. tell we don't really work in fashion. <laughs> Anybody who knows us would know that. It's got, how many holes has it got in it? Holes, one, two, three, four. Good. Perfect for human beings and possibly large dogs. Anyway, it says Leeds scum are back on, on the chest, which is one of the headlines that greeted us when we were promoted in 1990. A few Com- people have queried that. They're always like, we're ne- either we never went away. Oh, we ain't scum. But it's a historical thing, isn't it? The Daily Mirror greeted us. They put um, scum in quotation marks as if that made it all right. But yeah, their back page slash big picture of Lee Chapman scoring the goal at Bournemouth. Quote from Harry Redknapp, who was Bournemouth manager, saying, I feared for my coconuts. And then uh, Leeds scum are back. Is it too late to nominate Harry Redknapp for Villain of the Fortnight? Yes. Just for signing Scott Parker and Scotty Parker and that, the way he speaks. Save it for next fortnight, it's fine. Don't yeah. worry. It'll still be there, won't it? So those t-shirts are on sale from the squareboard.net. Have a mosey on there for that. And How much are they? £15. It's worth emphasising that they are hand screen printed. In, in Leeds. Leeds. 
um, limited edition, and it is beautiful print process. We've got a square ball logo on there on near the hem, printed labels, quality print on the shirt. These aren't just your knockoff market Harry Redknapp t-shirts. <laughs> These are top quality items. Get those at the squareball.net along with the magazine. Uh, issue one is nearly gone, but you can still buy that in digital form. And We're issue, not, not going to run out of a PDF. And issue two will be on sale against QPR online and at Ellen Road. Who was saying that the PDF looks particularly lovely on a, an iPad? I can't remember. It was one, somebody who tweeted us, but yes, I, I fully agree. And I assume that would be on all other uh, sort of electronic tablets. Indeed. Beautiful. So for a pound, you'd be a fool not to see this, this beautiful type that makes the words shine. We also have a thank you to do, uh, don't we, Oddy? Jim Ogden. Jim O431. <laughs> Jim O431 off of Twitter. My 430th <laughs> favourite Jim O. <laughs> Brought us some Haribo for the podcast. Which we haven't seen. Hide nor hair of. We haven't. I forgot them. Oddie has put on some weights. <laughs> this so? is, we really should, with, with Harry Redknapp and, and now this to add to the pillaring, <coughs> the villain of the fortnight needs reviewing. You're right, actually, Warnock yeah. would still win. We, we'll have a steward's inquiry and see what happens, eh? And still give it to the Clemnock. I brought Guinness peanuts. You did bring Guinness peanuts and they were very nice. And you've been munching on my nuts all night. Indeed. Fanart. I think that just about wraps it up for this one. Uh, we will return in a fortnight. That's after the Doncaster game. Until then, do get in touch. Podcast at the squareball.net is the email address. You can tweet at the squareball and you can find us on Facebook too. So uh, goodbye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Squareball Podcast. Supported by thegelderdan.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.